The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. who is an integrative wellness educator, and she is dedicated to providing patients with guidance, education, and support as they overcome uh, the unique challenges of chronic illness. Hi everybody, I'm Lisa. And I'm Chantel, and this is Guts and Glory. Welcome, Montana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, we're very excited. Yes, uh, we've been talking about this now. Yeah, for Uh-oh. a couple weeks. Yeah, we have. <laughs> looking at your website and being uh, inspired by the testimonials and and some of the um, some of the messages that your autobiography in uh, five short chapters mm-hmm. touched me. Uh, I think that is uh, I, 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 that's just such a fantastic piece of wisdom right on Montana's uh, yeah. page. Well, we're going to talk about more about that, Montana. Let's start with you. Why don't you tell us how you got to be here with us today, not just, you know, your ride over, but the long <laughs> journey that you took to get where you are today. Yeah, you decided sure. to take this path of a wellness yeah. educator, so. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question, but I'll try and dig into it. So I think that it really chose me. Mm. I think that um, I've had a lot of health struggles throughout my life, and I've just the whole time felt like I need to do something to make it a little bit easier for other people or help people um, going through things because I can't be the only one. So to give context, when I was seven, I was diagnosed with leukemia. Wow. And I was, yes. And I was put on chemo. I was on chemo um, for three years. And I think that the way that our system understands illness, um, there's this implication that, you know, you go and you get your treatment. And when the treatment is over, you're cured Mm -hmm. and that's you don't exist anymore and you don't exist anymore really um also throughout the treatment i mean i'm so blessed like leukemia killed people not very long ago Mm -hmm. right and i was treated in this incredible hospital um given the best service i could possibly be given people come from all over the world to be treated at the hospital i was treated at at um hospital for sick children in toronto right most beautiful incredible place yeah However, there are gaps in our system, mm-hmm. and the emotional impacts of childhood cancer, although it sounds very obvious that that is going to affect you in deep, profound ways, I don't know how much it was discussed mm-hmm. or talked about or, or treated. Um, or treated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's tricky. Um, I don't think it's a simple answer, but I know that for me, I developed a lot of Specifically, the first thing that started happening after the treatment were eating disorder symptoms. Wow. Because of the side effects of drugs. Yes. Medications. Prednisone. Exactly. So I was on everyone's favorite drug, prednisone, um, as part of my chemo treatment. And I think that that, it was really difficult for me. Like, I think that, you know, when you're going through cancer or any chronic illness, you can feel very different than other kids. Absolutely. You're trying to fit in. You're... um, you're seeing this like existential life or death world that most seven-year-olds, thank God, are not exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing all the pain 
faced by parents, and it's just a place of as beautiful as it is. It's a place of suffering it and really trauma. Is. It's, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they really do their darndest to make it um, a haven for parents and, and patients. But yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder I, if there's like this thing as well, like, oh, if you're diagnosed with whatever illness, be it cancer or, you know, anything at a young age that it's so young, maybe as you turn into your adult life, you'll forget these memories. So that's a really, really interesting point. hope that you will. Yeah. You so know? actually, what's very interesting about that is um, I just found some research recently that said that specifically for childhood cancer, the younger you're diagnosed, the more likely when you're an adolescent or pre-adolescent, you will develop mental health issues. Absolutely, I can't even, I, this is like a no-brainer to me. I feel like this should be common. Like everybody it should, should be, know this. It like, should make so should, much sense. Yeah. You are so young, you're developing your sense of who you are and yeah. what the world is. You're navigating yourself. Yeah. Right, you're literally creating your identity at this point and this is like my major <laughs> mantra. It's like when you identify your, when you, um, your identity is tied up with being a patient, it is, the implication of that is I am passive, I am a recipient of care, yeah. I am helpless, because it's true. Like, I needed doctors to cure me of cancer. There was not much I could have done at that point, but then when that becomes your story... How do you differentiate yourself from that when it's not your story anymore? Exactly. How do you get out of that constant fight or flight, that constant feeling of like, holy shit, Montana has a fever, let's, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like, hell yeah. You know, she has a fever and that's actually an emergency, so we need to get her to the hospital right, right away. Yeah. And I think that for me, for whatever reason, well, there are reasons, our society's obsessed with body image. Absolutely, <laughs> um, absolutely. The messages we get around um, what we look like are very strong mm -hmm. and very, not always healthy. Especially as a young girl. Especially as a young girl. And so I tied that fear and that anxiety and that lack of agency with the weight gain. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of shame about it. You know, prednisone, your face puffs out. Yeah, we always joke about the moon face. But if you're on prednisone, like I was for six years, you were on it for three years straight. Yeah. As a young child. Mm -hmm. yeah, like it's too. more than a moon face. Listen, I have you know? uh, I have school photos. Like I think when I was ten and when I was eleven, I won't even look at them. They're mm -hmm. missing from my because I had so much pregnancy. Like I look and interestingly, so interestingly, because um, I went on and off it uh, through my twenties too. I have mm -hmm. people who still say to me. You know, I never really had a sense of what you look like because your face was changing so much. Like I don't, yeah. and now many years off medication, people say, wow, I look back at pictures of you. You don't look anything like yourself. Mm. But it's because probably, yeah. uh, you know. Not to mention the implications that the drug does to you in other ways as well. Right. Yeah. And you, like and I couldn't see myself. I couldn't tell you what I looked like back then. But yeah. I think that's what's so complicated and confusing because, you know, they say the side effects are insomnia, mood swings, depression, anxiety. Meanwhile, you're gaining weight. So you can kind of convalesce that whole thing together as a anyone, but especially as a young child. Yeah. And start to be confused about that. And not to mention your hair is falling out. Yeah. You know, there's all these... And the sickness associated the to your sickness. treatment. And yeah. um, So I sort of got it in my head, like, okay, I need to lose all this weight. And I started carrying on a calorie book. I was 10. And I started oh, just God. restricting... Did your parents know that? They did. And I remember, like, 
just fights that I would have with my mom. My parents just felt like we don't know what to do. It's so scary. Um, and I actually remember going back. It must have been still sick kids because it was like a year, you know, after you're done treatment, then every year you'll go you in for a checkup. Yeah. And I actually remember them saying to me, like, if you lose one more pound, we have to admit you to the anorexia ward. Mm. And that was so scary for me because I'm like, oh, my God, I know what it's like to be yeah, in a hospital. Not. I don't want to go. To, I don't want to have to be readmitted. And honestly, my symptoms just morphed. They morphed from anorexia to more like binging because right. it was like I was so terrified of food, but I also knew I had to eat because I didn't want to go to the hospital. None of the, again, it's like they saw the physical representation and they said, you are too skinny. You must gain weight rather than thinking, hmm, what's the root cause of this? So you weren't going to yeah. therapy then at that time either for this? I was not. I was not. <sighs> um, so you started navigating this healthcare system at seven? Yes. With your family? Yes. You know? Yes, and, and thank God for them, but they're, they're not, our families are not trained in this. Of no, of course they, not. They, oh, my God. They have all their own personal stakes and their own I can't even imagine anxiety that they have to. I'm not a parent, so I. It, I can't imagine either. Well, I can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, just like side note, I yes. want to talk to you more because I, uh, I took my daughter who I, I, I've talked about this before. I constantly worry that she has. Crohn's. Crohn's, because okay. I have Crohn's. Yes. And so I'm always watching, and she's a terrible light eater. It, this is, I'm sorry if you are listening, <laughs> uh, and I'm triggering anyone, but I'm just barfing out my own anxiety right now. I took her to, uh, for a physical yesterday, and she is in the zero percentile. She's not eating enough to be on the uh, chart. chart, and her height has now dropped off it, too, because she's not. So, um... I don't know that she has any issues, but that lingers for me, right? The, the yeah. like, I don't know if she has any medical issues. I think she's just an insanely picky eater and it's mm. frustrating. And she's very active. She, nah, she could be more active, but um, yeah. it's stressful as a parent to watch your kid not knowing how to, right. how, how not do you getting it? the most out of nutrition. I will say that. Yeah. How do you fix it? What do you not say? What do you say? So because you don't want to trip anything, you don't want to, you know, create a negative body image. It's very tricky. It's so so tricky. The amount of people I know who are dealing with colitis and Crohn's and also have eating disorder symptoms. Yeah. Um, well, you develop this almost like almost everyone, yeah. especially yeah. females. You develop this love hate relationship with food, not only because your weight is fluctuating and and drugs having the impact on you, but the damage. And the pain and the anguish that food can cause you. Right. And then when it's, okay, now you can eat. Like, you know, when I've been in the hospital. When you're healthy, and, when you're feeling good. Yeah, yeah. When I, and now I can eat. Okay, so I want to indulge and I want to eat. And But if I do, what's this going to do to me? Where is this going to send me? Yes. It's just, it's a constant. Yeah. You have to do exactly. too much thinking about it. There's so much thinking and... You already have, so if, so these um, eating disorder symptoms, you know, and like lots of mental health stuff, lots of anxiety, lots of depression, and not understanding why. Like thinking that it was my fault or not really understanding that it was connected to the cancer. Right. Um, or how to treat that. And being I, so young, why would you think it? Right. Like, and I think that like trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder is very misunderstood, even in mental health circles sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, understand, it, to treat it and to deal with it is, is very difficult. 
Um, so just constantly feeling like, what is wrong with me? Why can't mm -hmm. I just be normal? Why aren't I, why aren't I over this, you know? Right. Um, eventually, I don't want to say developed into colitis. We know that um, it's complicated what causes Crohn's and colitis. Yeah. But I certainly believe the stress and the anxiety around food and my body and the amount of stress that was coursing through my veins for a majority of my life eventually ended up with me being diagnosed with colitis it at age 17. It's that perfect yeah. stage. It just like it just, right? <laughs> right. It was like papered the house. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, all the set so this painting was, and everything was and done I, and you and were ready for and, and I don't know if this is like I think this is what I thought. I remember at 17 thinking to myself, something in my body is gonna break. So like you were I, were you diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at 17? I was diagnosed at 17. So you had 10 years between leukemia and ulcerative colitis. Exactly. And that 10 years was not a good ride. It was really, really yes. What, what do you mean something is gonna break? I just like, I remember having this thought, and again, maybe I've Maybe I'm rethinking it wrong, and maybe I'm pretending that I'm some sort of psychic when I wasn't. But I swear, I swear, because I was in Florida for Christmas break with my grandparents. I was in grade 12. It was December. And I just had this thought, like, the amount of stress I'm putting on my body. Because at that, I remember I was sitting by the pool. It's hard to talk about this stuff, but I want to be open because I think it's important. I was just drinking a lot of Diet Coke all day, like by the pool, yeah, and not really eating much, and just feeling so much anxiety, probably also from the caffeine. <laughs> and, and knowing like, okay, I'm supposed to be relaxed, this is Christmas break, and I'm still feeling all this anxiety. And Were you still taking medication at that time too? No, I was not. But you just didn't feel balanced. I just, yeah, I had a lot of anxiety and depression. And so you, this, this is this is like preceding the colitis. So did you have any post-leukemia? Post yes. Okay. Did yes, you have yes. any like any other than mental health? Obviously, were there so, any physical symptoms of? So what happened was, so I, I had this this thought. I remember, and then I got home and I started to get symptoms of, of the colitis. So I started to feel very, very bad stomach pain. Mm -hmm. Blood in the stool. It eventually became blood that. in the stool, you know, losing all of my energy, not being able, at, at the point that it got to, I was like unable to move except to go to the washroom. Right. To the point where I was just in the washroom lying on the floor. Yeah, I was absolutely. like, I don't have enough energy to get go to the bed. Forth. Yeah. And the hard thing about it was, my family thought it was the eating disorder stuff. So they're like, you have right. to eat, you have to eat, right? I'm like, I actually can't. I cannot explain how much pain I'm in right now. And then when they saw the blood, they were like, okay. Something's wrong. My parents were actually out of town and I called them. They were like, do you want us to come back? Are you okay? And I was like, I think I'm just gonna call an ambulance, but I'm, I'm totally fine. <laughs> you don't have to come. <laughs> I'm just gonna call an ambulance. And they were like, um, we're booking a flight and coming back right now. Because that was also part of my personality. I never wanted to bother anyone. I never wanted to cause a scene. I never wanted to cause any issues. Which is, I think, a common, like, it's how I feel too. Right. Like my, how oh, I'm impeding so, yeah, on other people's I'm on, lives. You're just so yes. tired of being in the spotlight too. Like, I'm not this kind of spotlight. Stop. Like, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know. Yes. The amount of pressure we put on ourselves. It's another thing I wanted to mention about the cancer is like, for me, I saw how much chaos it was putting my family in. Mm -hmm. I was seven. My sister was five when I was diagnosed. My mom just had another kid. We had my brother who was one. You know, oh, so to take that on and feel like, oh my God, even though my parents and everyone, they didn't want to make me feel that way. No, of course not. No one does. But feeling that 
oh my God, I'm causing all this disruption. My parents have to miss a day of work every week and take me to the hospital. And it's just a whole chaotic I even, thing. I, even now, I am 32 for crying out loud. And I was in the hospital last summer. Mm-hmm. So a little under a year ago. I was there for two weeks, week, two weeks. I even like, I stressed about how, like my fiance having to pay for parking and how much that was mm. every day. Like, totally right. and he was like, I'm an adult. Like, I have a job. I'm going to pay for parking. Yeah. Like, this is minuscule, like, on the scale of, like, why are you worried yeah. about this? But I'd say to him, like, no, don't come today. Like, parking's going to be too much. You Like, even now, that is still what I... Yeah. 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 I actually... That's really interesting you say that because now that I'm thinking about it, I remember hearing that parking at Sick Kids was expensive. Yeah. And it was in my brain. Like, yeah. oh, my God, every time someone visits me, they, they have, have to, to pay, pay for money. parking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which is... There's so many things we could say yeah, about that. I have, a, I have but, a series of letters here to you um, from people who've come to visit you in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you, so that's $26. Oh, my God. But the stress that we put ourselves under. Anyways. So you were diagnosed um, with ulcerative yes, colitis. You so went to the hospital. I went to the hospital like, okay, there is lots of inflammation here. We need to pump you up prednisone. I was like, oh, great. And did you? My favorite drug. Were you giving anything? Did you go to, uh, where? which hospital did you go to? It was Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Were you given your diagnosis fairly quickly? I was giving it. Well, they couldn't figure out between Crohn's and colitis, but they knew but it was IBD. IBD pretty quickly. Right, okay. Um, and they pumped me with, you know, intravenous steroids. So you med all. Oh, hey. my gosh. So you had to stay. Here we go. You had I feel- literally feel like the memoir of my life is like prednisone, friend and foe. <laughs> like, <laughs> so were, you were hospitalized, I would assume. I was hospitalized. I think right. I was hospitalized for about a week. So this was, um, yeah, I was in grade 12. I think it was January by the time this happened. I was like, I need to get into university. Like, I'm yeah. missing school. Like, this is a disruption in my life, and this is not. I, I was so. It's not acceptable. It was not acceptable. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I was like, thank God I can feel. I don't feel like I'm in severe pain anymore right now. So that was nice. Yeah, that is the a blessing of of prednisone. It's um, a very quick fix. It like, really yes. happens in the past. Yeah. Within yeah, 24 hours, you're like, where's? Can I have some pizza? Like exactly. But it's, it's not long term. So, so did you go on a long term so, medication after right. that? Right. So the complication with me with colitis was because of the cancer. It caused a right. lot of complications because they were very nervous about putting me on the biosimilar, the of biologics, course. the Remicade, the you know the typical treatment plan that most pe- people go on. I was, they were very hesitant about because of Your the medical cancer. History, right. So I just kept going on prednisone. And I was put on, oh, 5-ASA. Like Solifolk or Pentasa, yes. Mezavan, something like that. So essentially yeah. I went to, um, you know, I was 17, so I went, I had a GI in sick kids for a hot second before I turned 18. They were like, we're going to put you on Asacol. I think it was called Asacol. Asacol, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you're going to take this rest of your life. This is your disease. And I was like, what do you mean I have a chronic illness? Like, like I just got over cancer. I'm still not what over cancer. Yeah, I don't like, think I still am today. Yeah. <laughs> but like cancer's um, gone from my body. Why do I, I have something just, else? I just, I was like, okay, well, what does that mean for my life? And what does that mean for who I am? And yeah. how do I reconcile myself with this? And again, like, I want to go to university. I want to live a full life. How do I, how do I manage this? And of course, they don't have answers for you because they don't know how the disease is going to affect yeah. you. We yeah. can't say like, oh, in five yeah. years, you're going to be looking like this and feeling like this and... Yeah, so I was desperate for any information I could possibly find. I remember reading this pamphlet, and it was like, the quantity of your life will not necessarily be affected, but the quality sure will. 
you're, you know, you're, you're, oh this God. is, this, this illness will, will decrease the quality of your life. And, and I'm like, you're going to stick around a long time. <laughs> yes. To enjoy that awful life. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is something I don't know how to deal with. And where is the mental and emotional support? So just pausing right yes. there. Did that ever come up? Like, did, th did anyone ever say to you, this is going to be an, a lot for you you're you're a very young woman you might you're a child still you're 17 here's someone you can talk to or social work anything like, is there i really don't remember that ever being a conversation yeah i mm. never uh, encountered it either and i, I or don't. even and what even for our like the, uh, the loved ones in our life. Like if you're, if you have a child yes. who's diagnosed, there should be also, it should be a, the, the social work, the psychology, the, you know, the psychiatrist should extend to the caregiver. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the best thing for caregivers to do is to take care of themselves. Absolutely. Because they have to model healthy health. Yeah. They have to model health and then they have to be in as best health as they can Absolutely. so that they can be that calm, cool, collective presence, which is a tall, Task. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So the prednisone and your five ASAs managed back and forth for a bit because what ended up happening about was it was at five years after that you had to have surgery. It was pretty quickly after that. So I ended up going to Queens for university, not not knowing how the disease would would impact me and wanting to feel as normal as possible, being very um, driven and a very. I was just a perfectionist. I wanted to do well. I wanted to go to university like everyone else. Um, doesn't it's also, any stress. I also that felt like any stress to your life. well, I was diagnosed when I was twenty in university. I was right mm -hmm. in the middle of U of T, and I remember thinking to myself, like, "Damn this disease!" Yeah, and I'll be damned if this damn disease takes me away from what I'm doing right now. Like, yeah. I remember being like, "No, f you!" Like, I'm going to school. <laughs> like, right. You can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I remember being school. like that. Uh, when I abscessed, my, I had an abscess perforated intestine, and it was there while I was in the middle of my first year of my program, which you weren't allowed to miss uh, more than two classes. If you did, you get kicked out. And uh, yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night just inflamed in so much pain, and it needed to come out right away. And I just remember thinking, I feel so alone right now. I don't know how to approach this. Yeah. I don't know how to talk to it's my teachers. It's so terrifying. Who's going to believe you also? That's yeah. the other thing. I know. Exactly. It's such a competitive program. <laughs> and I'm know. right in the middle of it and I need to get out. And no. it's crazy that we truly believe in that moment. Like, it is more important for me to do well in school than or care work. for my health or work. Yeah. And, and Well, there's a clear path to school, though. There's a clear path. That and we're is, trying so you know, hard to, to, to be on that path because we don't want this disease to change us. But like not giving ourselves the break to say, yeah. okay, how do I adapt to this? Yeah. And that's okay. But that's the thing. Like, and that I'm so excited to talk to you about this because um, th there is the thing with going into school is it's a very clear path. You know where you have to go. You know what classes you have to take. You know how the work. There should be no disruptions. There's no. There should be no disruption. <laughs> yeah, it's but hard when you manage a people. disease, you manage a disease that's a chronic disease. You like you said, the quality of your life is going to be affected. But there is no clear. Path it's unknown. You, you are literally walking down a dark tunnel. Stands at the beginning of that path and has to navigate it for themselves. Like pull in all the find all their own resources and pull it together for themselves. Yes, so. and, and it's it's such a big responsibility. I don't think it's a fair thing to ask someone suffering from this 
to have to figure that out on their own. Absolutely. absolutely it is true. like you're at your weakest and your most vulnerable psychologically, emotionally, physically. And now you have to figure out how to navigate the system that is not clear at all yes. yeah. while you're trying to understand what it even is. I, I just, and the thing is, these resources are out there, and that's what I've had realized over decades. Yeah. I'm 30, and I'm still trying to figure all this out. It should be mandated. Like, government, yeah. Health Canada, it should be just mandated. It should be a law, rules, like, that if you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, whatever age, or with a serious illness like cancer, that your treatment automatically just unfolds and there are psychiatrists and there are you know nutritionists and there are it should just be Somebody like to get your physical yeah, body yeah. it should be holistic right. like mind body soul okay you know we here here's your piece of paper mm-hmm. that says cuz i was given a i was given a script you know the medication scripts that you get mm-hmm. yeah i was given one of those had on it he wrote down what uh, I was diagnosed originally with ulcerative colitis. Wrote down ulcerative colitis. Showed me how, like drew a little picture. Showed me the thing, and the next hand gave me another piece of paper, exact same size. Said, "Give this to the pharmacist. This is your medication." Yeah. Out I went. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it should automatically be like. And so here's your prescription. We're gonna get you started right away. Um, it's a lot to digest right now, so we're gonna book you in for an appointment by the end of the week with this person who's gonna sit down and, and explain to you your disease. Maybe somebody who's been diagnosed who can talk to me about their life. Yeah. Show me nice. someone positive. Show me somebody who is who's managing right now because I'm not, and I need to know that I can get to that. I yeah. need to know. Yeah. It is actually imperative in my health that I see someone. I remember. Healthy. Well, see managing. someone. Yeah. Managing. See yeah. someone managing and yeah. talk to them and say. I am so scared. Yeah. And to yeah. be like, to see someone who's managed to to navigate it and figure it out or yeah. someone to aspire and then, to. And then we're going to send you to see a social work or, you know, a psychiatrist or yes. a psychologist. We're going to, you know, I know you think that's, you know, you might be apprehensive about that or you might think that's too soon or too early to do or whatever. No, we're going to do this for you anyways. Yeah. We want you to try it. And then if we stop going because it's too much to manage right away, then in two months, you force us to go again or we have to pay $50 for not showing up for our appointment. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like, or, it should be... Yeah. And then the next conversation should be, who are your caregivers? If you're not a child, exactly. who's your caregivers? Who do you live with? Because you need to invite them to this appointment mm. as well. Yeah. yeah, they need their... Yeah, what supports do they need? And or, yeah. at the very minimum, a list of resources. Absolutely. Like, these are the supports in the community that you can reach out to. Because it also allows you to say, oh, okay, it's normal that I'm suffering psychologically from this. It's normal that my body image is, is yeah. had a hit. It's normal that I need these extra supports. It doesn't... Because for me, mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, we blame ourselves and we think, why is this so difficult for me? Like, it seems to be very straightforward. Oh, it's yeah. a physical illness. It's affecting my colon. Oh, it's cancer. It's affecting my blood. And you're not going to know that. But it's, yeah, it's You're not, not. going to know that suffering mentally is normal until you meet somebody who, who tells you that. Yeah. Whether it's somebody who's experiencing your, has experienced your trauma or somebody who's educated enough to tell you this is normal because yeah. I needed to be told that my anxiety and my panic attacks and my depression was normal for what yeah. I'm going through. Me yeah, too. Exactly. Me because too. Because if not, it was like, I'm not normal because I have this chronic illness and now I have arthritis exactly. and now I have fibromyalgia and now I have all these. And it's, it's, and now, now I'm not normal because my brain is not working the way that it should and I'm not managing this the way that I should. You blame yourself yeah. and it becomes, my life story started to become, 
Hi, my name is Montana. I had cancer. And now I have now I have colitis. I have an eating disorder. I have anxiety. I have depression. All these things are unrelated. And I'm sorry yeah. about all of it. I yeah. apologize and I'm, for And that. it's like, okay, so if that's your story, because you're going to all these appointments, and that's what people are asking right, you. Right. So over and over and over again, yeah. that that's is your identity. Your identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling socially because I feel so embarrassed about myself that it's hard for me to make friends and meet people and be honest about who I am and what I'm going through. It's just all these things. You're yeah. like, oh, my God, there's so many things wrong with me. Like, why it, can't I just be normal? It's so yeah. incredible. It's it, Hearing all this it just brings back so many memories. Like, mm. I mean, I'm so struck by... Um, what you said about being young and recognizing that, you know, you were causing stress for your family. I mean, let's just take that one piece (laughs) away from all the, you know, the medical complications, all the the health issues. That alone is a big thing. Like dealing with that stress, that image you have of yourself as someone who causes stress to other people, disrupts other people's lives, just, uh, you know, your parents, it would be so much easier if dealing with those other kids, your siblings, if you were healthy, you were somebody who was healthy and you yeah. didn't lean on them so hard. Like, and it's it's so interesting because I talk to my parents now and I say like, what was I like when I was going through that? Because again, I still feel like I'm coming to terms with it and trying to heal from it. Yeah. And well, your memories are going to be convoluted as well because you were you were on medication, you were dealing with this trauma, you. you it's um I I also find myself like when I think back of times that I was in the hospital hospitalized or when I'm really ill, I have a very strong memory of certain things. Mm. Like I have a strong memory of my pain. I have a strong memory of my anxiety. No matter what I do, I cannot forget the anxiety associated to these moments in my life. Right. But I I there's almost there's other moments that like you tell me and I'm like oh really? Mm. Like I, I block it out. It, it was like. It's like it never happened. Like, I wouldn't even believe it unless you had a picture to show me. Right. You know? And so what they say to me is they say, you were the most mature. Like, you were so mature. And going through this, you had a smile on your face, and you went to the the hospital, and you got your back needle, and your arm needle, and your leg needle, and all. Like, you you just took it like a champ. And when I think back, I'm like, okay, well. I wasn't in my head. Of (laughs) course. Of course. Of course, people are not going to see that you're struggling mentally when you're presenting this front. Yeah. And I just believed, like, I have to be, I don't know, from a really young age, it was like, I have to be mature and I have to be strong and I have to be happy and I can't show um, how I'm feeling because that's going to hurt other people around me. And when I think about it now, I'm like, okay, well, I was never able, I never felt able to express myself and my pain. And so it just lived in me. So we hope you've been enjoying this episode as much as we have. Yeah, and there wasn't enough time for us to get to all the material that we had to cover in one single episode, so watch for part two coming up in our timeline soon. Peace out, guys. Strength and positive thoughts. Guts and Glory is produced by Bang Albino, Inc., a full-service creative agency. 